and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, Yordana Osband, our daf of the day, Masachet Yevamot, daf Lamed, page 30. So, for all that we've seen so many dafim on, you know, a single Mishnah, so many dafim of Gemara on a single Mishnah, on this daf we have five Mishnayot with a fairly small pieces of Gemara in between the Mishnayot. We're going to just trade off. Uh, so, I'm taking the first one, Shlosha Achin. So, as you know, or as you might have expected, we are doing Yavamot word problems. We have three brothers. Again, Shnai Mehem, Nesuim, Shtei Achayot, Vachad Nesuim Nochrit. So this is a little bit of a twist. We have two who are, two of the three brothers were married to two sisters, and one was was married to Nochrit. No, so that sounds like she's married to a Nochrit. Nochrit traditionally means, you know, a non-Jew. In this case, it's she. he's married to somebody who is not related to those two sisters, meaning a strange woman, an unrelated woman. That's We shouldn't take it to be further than that, further afield than that. So one of the brothers who is married to the two sisters has died. So now the brother who is married to the unrelated woman marries the, the wife, the widow, of the brother who has died. So what happens? Now we understand we've got, let's see, the brother, the, the one who marries, now he's married to the, the woman who's not related and also to the widow of the first brother. He dies. A lot of these men seem to be dying, right? Meaning, again, some of this, I'm sure, really happened and some of it seems to be, uh, you know, figuring out the math of it. So, again, he the second brother to die is married to these two women, one as Yibum and one as regular wife, right? So the first one goes out, meaning she's she's not, she has no Zikat Yibum to the third brother. She's able to go free. Why? Mishum achot isha. Because she is the sister of his wife, so he can't her. Ushniya mishum tsarata. And the second woman, meaning the Nochrit, the nochri, the woman who is not related, is in fact the Tzara, the co-wife of the woman who is Achor is, Ishto. So she also goes free. Asaba Ma'amar Vamit. What happens if, let's let's get all the details here, right? We're talking about this Ma'amar, this Levite betrothal that we've talked about before, right? What happens if the brother who is married to the Nochrit, to the unrelated woman, has only done Ma'amar with his brother's widow. Under those circumstances, let's see, Marva mate, and then he dies. So now the the third brother, right, the one who's married to the sister who did and has not died, will do Khalitza or will he she will do Khalitza for him, And the Ma'amar wife, the Ma'amar widow from the first wife, also seems to be to go free. Um, right? She has not, there's no completed evil, but there's also nothing that the third brother can do because she's still a chod isto. Okay, that is the Mishnah. Um, the Gemara talks about what's exactly the halacha in this case, but we're not going to delve into it because, again, we have five Mishnah to cover. I'm going to turn it over to you, Yardina. Take it away. Okay. Uh, next Mishnah. Okay, so now we get to three brothers. So again, married to two sisters. And again, 
one the th- and one is the third is married to uh, a non sister. Okay, so let's say we'll do Reuven, Shimon, Levi. Sorry, I should have said it that way. Um, Shimon, Reuven, and Shimon are married to the sisters. Levi's married to the non sister. Levi dies. The right? And so then one of the um, one of the uh, husbands of the sis of the sisters marries that wife. So let's say Reuven marries Levi's wife, right? Umate, right? And then let's say Rubain dies also, okay, as well. Right? So the one of the the sister wife is not gonna have to do Yibum with Shimon because she's Achodisha. Ushnia Mishum Sarata. And the lady's original wife, who wasn't related to them at all, but now she's the co-wife, right, of an erva, and so she also went up to do Yibum. Asaba ma'amar, right? Let's say he did ma'amar with the unrelated wife. So now we're going back to the original case where Levi died and Reuben just did ma'amar. He didn't actually get to Yibam yet. And he died. So the, the third brother, Shimon, okay, at this point would basically do, um, uh, he would basically do chalitza, uh, but he would not do Yibum, right? Because the idea of doing Ma'amar, okay, it makes her already a, a, a Yibum uh, to the to the tsara of the sister's wife. So she technically sort of already had a status uh, of, of being a co-wife uh, because of that uh, because of that Ma'amar. So this is very very similar to that uh, to that previous one. And it's so similar that actually the Gemara, and again, we're just going to really focus on the Mishnahs today, uh, actually asked the question, Hato Lamali, right? Why do we need this Mishnah? Because it seems to be teaching exactly the same Mishnah uh, as the Mishnah before. And so you'll read that Gemara, and the Gemara is going to explain why you need that Mishnah and exactly what it's teaching. Uh, that's a little bit different. But I just want to point out one thing, is that what it ends up saying is, is that actually... This Mishnah was taught first, and then the first Mishnah was taught. And it concludes by saying, uh, you know, uh, right, that it was that case, meaning the first Mishnah that actually was the more novel one, and it was beloved to him, meaning it was beloved to the Tana, and so he taught it earlier. So what they're trying to say is that he actually could have eliminated this Mishnah. He didn't actually need to teach it once that previous Mishnah was introduced. But a Mishnah, Mishnah Lozazami Mikoma, a Mishnah doesn't move from its place. I just want to point this out because yesterday we had that whole thing with Rabbi Yochanan (laughs) where he wanted to say, hey, that Mishnah doesn't exist. And now here the Gemara is saying like Mishnah Lozaza. So maybe it's a Stach to Rabbi Yochanan. Don't mess with it. Yeah, I don't know. know. I just. I'm just pointing it out. All right, next Mishnah. <laughs> okay, now, as we've seen, right, this is kind of a template um, of the basic case, and then each Mishnah here is kind of switches the variables to see what are the different outcomes going to be. So here's the template. Again, three brothers, two of whom marry two sisters, and a third marries, as you're doing, I like this, that you called it the non-sister. Okay, then, one of the brothers was married to the two sisters dies. 
וחנס נשוי נוכרית את אשתו, now the brother who is married to the non-sister marries the widow of the brother, now what happens, and this is where it's different from the original case, or the second case, right, they're all, again, switching the variables, ומתה אשתו של שני, so now the person who dies in this case is not the next brother, but the wife of the second brother, meaning this is the sister of the widow, right? It's the sister of the widow who has now had Yibum with the third brother, and she leaves the second brother of the two brothers who had married sisters. He is now a widower, right? Let's make it more complicated, says the Mishnah. Now this third brother, the one who was married to the non-sister and has done Yibum with the first widow, he dies. So now who's left standing? We have the widow Yibum woman from the first brother to die. We have the widower brother, the second brother who married one of the two sisters. And we have the widow of the, the non-sister widow, right? So now, fine. So what happens? We have the case here of the sister Let me just make sure that I've got this right. Right? So we have the brother who's married to the... Yeah, the brother who's married to the Nochrit dies, which now means that we've got two women who are left for Yibum. The, the woman who has had Yibum now with this same man and who are her co-wife, the original Nochrit wife of, again, the non-sister wife of this same man. Now, who's left to do Yibum? Theoretically, the widower who is married to the sister of the sister who's now a widow, right? But we've got a problem. The sister, meaning the sister widow of his first brother, of the first brother to die, is prohibited to him, to this widower, forever. Why? Because there was a time when she was, in fact, um, the wife of his sister. So she was prohibited to him. And because he was, they were, she was prohibited at that time, then the fact that usually, you know, once the wife would die, then the sister might not be prohibited anymore. But because of the weight of this prohibition, right, then she's forbidden him forever, right? If, in fact, there's another case, though, where she, where a wife dies and then the sister is not necessarily forbidden. But in this case, it depends on the order of the timing. In this case, she's forbidden forever. And so now what happens, right? Meaning... She's forbidden forever. That, then she also exempts the the nachrit, the non-sister, because they're co-wives, right, with the man who married the non the, the non-sister. So both of these women go free. They do not have to do chalita. They do not have to do yibum. But it took a lot of work to get there. Yeah, it does take a lot of work to get. Um, all right. Anything you want to comment on that Gemara there? Oh, I probably should, right? I mean, I'm going to go with no. Meaning the Gemara is worth reading because it's interesting to me anyway to see what the Gemara is going to focus, what a small piece of Gemara like this is going to do to focus on such a complicated Mishnah, meaning such a complicated case. How do you get, you know, three people have died here in the scenario out of the six. So, you know, it's interesting where where is it really going to talk, what it's really going to talk about. Maybe you have more insight, but I feel like, I think it's okay. I think if you don't want to delve into this, Kamara, I think that's okay too. Right. 
what the Gemara gets into is that concept of is that once she's forbidden, she's always forbidden, um, which we've right. seen before, but it spells it out here in this Gemara. That's just what I want to point out here. But that concept has come up before. Okay, next Mishnah, which is again set up in the same way. Right. So again, we have Reuven, Shimon, Levi. Reuven and Shimon are married to two sisters. Levi is married to a non-sister. Okay. So let's say Ruvain, the husband of one of the sisters, divorces his wife. And Levi, who's married to the non-sister, dies. Okay. Um, and Ruvain, right, who divorces, who divorced his wife, he's the Megaresh, right? He um, he does Yibum with Levi's wife. Vamate and then and then Ruvain dies. Zohi Shamru the Kulan Shemetu Odnit Kashu Sarotehan Mutarot. Right? And so in this in this case, right, what basically happens is is because uh right, Levi died and Ruvain later dies, right? So the non-sister woman, okay, actually can go to Shimon um as a uh as a basically for Yibum, right? Um, so so in this case here, Shimon is actually allowed to do Yibum with this woman, okay? We, we don't, we're not worried about the Achayot because again, that sister was actually divorced. The other sister was divorced, so she's taken out of the picture. So about this case, they say, right, that with regard, that with all of those, meaning Zosha uh, Bikulan, right? They're talking about the 15 Erbas that we had gotten, those 15 forbidden relatives that we talked about, the first Mishnah of, Yib- of Yivamos, right? If they died or were they divorced, right? Then the Tzarot are actually Mutar. And so that's actually this case, that once Ruvain divorces that first wife, right? That if Shimon sort of ends up being the last remaining brother and Levi's wife sort of did Yibum with Ruvain, right? And then Ruvain dies, she's going to be allowed to do Yibum with uh she's going to be allowed to do yibum with shimon because even though shimon's wife had a sister who was formally married to ruvain because ruvain divorced that sister they there's no longer an erba issue anymore and that's why shimon is allowed to do uh yibum with her right um and so what the gemara wants to go through here is they actually use this as a case to discuss the concept of zika right is there actually sort of this like kind of bond the second the death happened or is there not a bond? Like that's a big thing that they're trying to figure out in Yavama. So sort of like, when does that bond between Yavam and Yavama uh, automatically um, automatically start? And so what Rav Ashi, you'll see, wants to discuss is, and they're going to go through a whole discussion about this, right? Is to basically say, right, Yeshika filo betray achei that there is this Zika, there's this bond, even with two brothers, right? That even though this Isha Nochrita, the non-sister, needed to do Yibum with two brothers, right? The Zika was enough that it made a relationship between the non, uh, the non-related sister and, and Ruben, right? Such that the, the, the non-related sister, um, sorry, non-related sister, the non-related wife, okay, sorry, is considered to be, uh, you know, maybe could have been considered to be a tzara 
of the divorced wife. That's what it's trying to basically sort of tease out here. And that's, they're going to go through a lot of discussion about this, whether Ravai's statement is actually true and he has a machlokas with Rav Nachman. So that's, that's that fourth Mishnah. I'll tell you, Yardin, I think this is one of the most interesting aspects of the whole discussion of Yavamot and Yibum, meaning the question to what extent there's like this connection or bond, tie, whatever, between any of these people and to what extent that it like kind of kicks in or doesn't kick in, right? The There's like this, I don't know, like it's a very large, deep, wide discussion over what Yibum is really all about, right? Meaning what may, what's the mechanism that makes Yibum happen? You know, the I'm sorry, the requirement for Yibum, what makes that kick in? And when is it like not strong enough for there to be a requirement? Like, I feel like very rarely do we have this much of a like a, a, a probing of the underpinnings of why we're doing something. And it's not phrased in that way. It's not presented as, you know, why? But I, I fe- it feels that way. It, it seems to me like this whole thing of what is the bond and to what extent is there a requirement for the for the brother to to do yibum or not, right, as the case may be, feels very like getting at the very essence of what yibum is all about and when it's supposed to happen. Right, and it makes sense about this concept of zikah because like if you think about it, it's a positive commandment. So there's always discussion, like when we talk about the positive commandment around like kriyachma or tefillah or eating matzah, there is some discussion about sort of like when does that start? right? Like we don't delay it. You do it right away. But here time is a little bit more, you know, it's a little bit more difficult to be like, now the mitzvah of Yibam becomes a, a, a possibility. And I guess it really does take place once that brother dies childless, right? So, and I think that's a little bit why there's the Zika discussion. Like, is that automatic? Um, how strong is that? You know, like I think that's a little because it's. it's what if the woman doesn't want the brother? Mitzvah. Right, it's right? a Meaning, little bit different. It's a little bit different than other meets both. All right, close it is. I think the- it's interesting. Okay, and the now last we're moving. We're moving away from this template, which in some ways is a relief, and in other ways is going to be more complicated. The Chulan. Now, what's the Chulan? The Chulan goes back to the very first Mishnah of Masachet Yevamot, which was the fifteen. Sarot cases, right? So Kulan Shayu Bahen Kidushin O Girushin Basafek. So if you have any of these 15 women, meaning the Tsarot ones, who are they're prohibited. How are they prohibited? Meaning under the case of having forbidden relatives. What does that mean? If they have Kidushin, meaning regular real Kidushin, or Gerushin, or there's a divorce where maybe Basafek, it's not it's not a clear that the divorce went through. Hare Elo Hatsarot Chotzot so now we have a list of, you know, under these questionable statuses, we're going to make sure that those co-wives have chalitza and not yibum. So then it goes, so because it's either kidushin or girushin basafik, right? So then how how would you have kidushin basafik, right? What would what would that look like? So let's say you've got zarak la kidushin, meaning they're in the public domain, the man and this woman, a man and woman. And the man kind of zarak, he throws, he tosses, Kidushin, meaning something of value. The value is more than a, a pruta, whatever, right? To the extent that if she would then accept it, you know, as betrothal, then they're betrothed. So, but but what has happened, right? Meaning he's thrown this thing at her, right? And then what happens if they're, how close are they standing? Does her kind of 
we're going to talk about this much more in Kijushin, but, you know, there's like a personal space around her of Daladamot. There's a personal space of Daladamot, four cubits, whatever, around him. Now, let's say they've got a full eight cubits between them, and this item, is it closer to him? Is it closer to her? Does it enter her Daladamot at all? Right? If it's closer to her, does that mean that it's as if she's acquired the object? Meaning all of this is where we end up with this suffix, this question of, did Kidushin actually take place? Um, I think the point is, you know, is she actually accepting it or is she not actually accepting it? Safek karov lo, safek karov la, zehu safek kidushin. Fine. And what about divorce? Safek kidushin, when you've got a doubt about whether a divorce took place, katav bechtav yado, ve'ein alav edim. What happened? He wrote out the divorce in his own, the bill of divorcement in his own handwriting. But there were no witnesses to sign to say that this was the guy and he it was his own handwriting. What if there was a case where there were witnesses, but the time is not written there? Meaning lots of things can put a get into, into a questionable status. That's why people take such great care to make sure that a get is really, really carefully done. What if it does have the time? But it only has one witness. Meaning it's not... It's not something that can obviously be pointed to and say, no, that's not a divorce. It doesn't work. It's something that's almost there. The bill of divorcement is almost there, but the, the witness status is a little bit iffy or like it's missing the date or the time or whatever, that kind of thing. So all of these these situations put the co-wives into a suffix status as well, right? Because not only the woman herself, but the, but the everybody else. So like I said, this moves us away from the case of the, three brothers and the three wives and so on, three brothers and two sisters and another non-sister. But on the other hand, it brings us back to the co-wives. And when does it happen that those co-wives are not treated as as potential yivamot, right? Rather, they're treated specifically. It has to be chalitza because of the suffix status. And the Gemara goes on about this to delve into these cases. Again, specifically divorce gets a lot of attention and it's going to take us even on to the next half. Yeah, I don't know why this uh, appears um, at, in this, like, in a way, this could have appeared in Parag Aleph, this Mishnah. You wanted another case of five and three and two, whatever. Three brothers and two sisters and another not sister. Right. Like, I just, I don't know. You, you hear what I, No, no, no. But this this principle about sort of like, if one of the Arabas, if it's unclear what happened with them. Like, how do you solve that? I don't know. I just, I get why it's here, but it also could have been in Paragala. That's all my opinion. I think it could have been in Paragala. I also think that we're, we have a lot more information that it reads much smoother now than if we had read it in Paragala and we'd be left like, what are they talking about? You know? And as much as there's been a lot of that in Masafi this kind of flailing about, there's also, I think, I think we now have a vocabulary and a sense of the kinds of cases that happen and the priority. When you know this is going to take place. So to say, let's it belong to Bemet here. It makes sense. You know, it's going to connect to what comes next after we've shifted away from these word problems. Uh, we will see. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to our Michelle Barber for hosting us on the Hydra website. Let us know what you thought about the staff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.